This podcast is the next in our Research in Action series, featuring speakers at the Booker Raton Public Library. Before I bring on our next guest, Dr. Deborah DeVolio, Associate Professor in the College of Nursing at Florida Atlantic University, I want to talk a little bit about what research actually is. What is research? And in particular, what is scientific research? Well, the answer is, it's systematic work undertaken to increase the amount of knowledge we have. This includes all kinds of knowledge, not just the natural world, which is science, but also technology, culture, society, economics, philosophy, and art. In some cases, new knowledge acquired through research can be used to develop new applications. And research can look different in all these various areas. There's many similarities, but also quite a few differences. In other words, the way we approach expanding our knowledge in the area of culture could be different than the way we do it in the area of science, depending on the kind of questions we're asking. And with that as a preamble, I'd like to bring in our guest today, uh, Dr. Deborah DeVolio, Associate Professor in the Christine E. Lynn College of Nursing at Florida Lank University. Deborah, welcome. Thank you. I'd like to start off by having you tell us a little bit about your research on delirium and what kinds of questions you're asking. Well, it became clear to me through my clinical practice that many times older adults who were hospitalized had a sudden change in mental status, and that was one of the most often reasons I was called for consultation. And in assessing the patients, it was clear that it was delirium. And from that point, I started to question the healthcare providers on what their basic delirium knowledge was and what they understood for screening. And I learned that most folks don't have core curriculum on delirium, what it is and how to prevent it and how to intervene. And that started my work because it was truly an unmet healthcare need among older adults. So can you tell our listeners what are the symptoms of delirium and how do you know that you're, you have it or that you're trying to treat it? Well, quite often the patient has no idea that they have delirium, but the family notes a change in behavior, emotional stability, um, and their general affect, and it's a sudden change. Unlike Alzheimer's disease or associated dementias, which are slow and progressive over time, delirium is a sudden shift. So even among older adults that have Alzheimer's disease, it's a change in baseline behavior. An example of that would be a loved one who would have a cup of tea with you and converse, and the next time you visit her, she's extremely agitated and not able to follow the conversation. And in addressing this question, in doing research on delirium, how do you approach it from your standpoint when you're trying to answer the question, what causes it and how can we prevent it? Well, with my research, it's funded by Harvard University. We're looking at educating family caregivers on how they can assess their loved ones on delirium. And most family caregivers are very much in tune with their baseline behavior of the older adult, but they don't understand when there's a sudden change. So in our research, we provided core curriculum on what delirium was, how to assess it, how to prevent it, and how to get help immediately should that be a diagnosis. And there's a very nice, short, reliable uh, assessment tool called the FAMCAM, which stands for Family Confusion Assessment Method. And that has only been used in the hospital. But most older adults live in the community. And so our goal with this project was to educate family caregivers about delirium, how to assess for it, and how to get help immediately. And from that work, we learned that there's a lot that can be done in the community. I'm sure our listeners would want to know more about the, the frequency 
of delirium? How common is it in the general community based on your work? Well, within 24 to 48 hours of hospitalization, older adults are at great risk for delirium because when they go to the hospital, there's several things that are wrong. It might be trauma. It might be fluid and electrolyte imbalance, anesthesia, surgery. All of those are causative factors for delirium. However, in the community, it can be as simple as a new cold medicine. An example of that is one of our patients was fine and started on a new cold medicine, an over-the-counter cold medicine, and within 48 hours, she was delirious. Uh, Sleeping pills, um, certain antibiotics can cause it, um, certain antidepressants. So a sudden change in meds or a fluid and electrolyte imbalance can cause it. So one of the things we uh, talk about in this uh, podcast series is our um, the changes in our knowledge of a particular field over time and how um, our research and our focus evolve uh, and our understanding hopefully becomes better of a particular uh, question or a particular phenomenon. I'd like to hear your standpoint, how has this changed over time in terms of our mm-hmm. you know, understanding of what delirium is and what causes it? Well, years ago, we didn't recognize it. We didn't even have it as a term. And so you would hear the old-fashioned terms such as sundowning, when an older person goes to bed at night and they wake up confused, the lay term was called sundowning. Now we know it's actual actual pathophysiology. It's a metabolic issue that happens that causes this shift in baseline behavior. And we know that it's a leading cause for nursing home placement among hospitalized older adults because we didn't know back earlier, 10 years ago, that you need to intervene early and you need to find the causative factors. Now we know that it's usually three or more causative factors. So an example of that could be now we know that if you go in for hip surgery and you get dehydrated and you're anemic because you had some blood loss intraoperatively and postoperatively we give you some narcotics, you're at great risk for delirium because of those three factors. Just because basic pathophysiology of an older adult is very different than a 40-year-old male. So we know a lot more now, which is exciting. In the old days, someone like that would be put in restraints back 10 or 20 years ago, and they'd be giving antipsychotic medicines. Now we know that it's a red flag, it's an alarm, and we have to find out why the person's delirious. And and in your view, our uh, improvement in our understanding is due to what? what? What do you suppose that our improvement in understanding is due to? Is it more patients that people have studied? Is it better data? Is it you know better in- instruments that tell us more about those patients? Mm-hmm. Or what, what do you think about that? Well, I think the research has really changed the whole paradigm because some of the early researchers said this isn't right. It's not normal. Old doesn't mean that you should be confused and something's wrong. And so they started to do research on it. And they they discovered that it was indeed an illness, and it's usually caused by several things. So we know that now. We didn't know that maybe 10 years ago. And now we know also that early intervention can prevent nursing home placement. The quicker we're able to fix the underlying problems, the more likely it is that the older adult will get well and go back to baseline. The longer we leave them in delirium, the less likely they are to recover back to baseline. And to what degree would you say that the treatments have been um, mainstreamed and um, understood so that people know what the treatment is? Well, now in core curriculum, there's a push. So, for an example, Harvard Med School has labeled delirium as a medical emergency, and they're teaching their physicians in training that this is quite serious. 
schools and nursing are starting to do the same. But like with anything else, there's a whole cadre of providers out there that don't have that new knowledge that our our healthcare providers and training are receiving. So one of the things that we did um, in my work at Massachusetts General Hospital was um, educate, retrofit all of the providers on this is what it is and this is what we can do to help and these are some of the resources. And so you've got a facility with maybe 5,000 nurses that need to be retrained on, on this to understand it because they may not have got it in core curriculum. This is fascinating. Um, in closing, can you give us a little sense of the future on this? What, what are we looking at you know, in the next few years in our understanding and treatment of this disease? There's been a lot of work um, on bench science about this. They're trying to figure out with imaging and with some blood markers what might be an early indicator. And there's a little bit of promise with that now, but there's a long way to go. So um, having objective measures rather than a clinical assessment. And so that's where the science is trying to flush out some of the mysteries that we don't understand. In the meantime, the whole key point is prevention and assessment right now. Thank you. We've been speaking to Dr. Deborah Davolio, Associate Professor in the Christine E. Lynn College of Nursing at Florida Atlantic University. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. We'd like to know what you think of this podcast. We invite you to send us feedback by visiting our webpage and giving us your opinion at science.fau.edu. Thank you for listening.